Geoliteracy is both a term as well as an educational initiative. The term was coined by National Geographic to describe the understanding of how our world works that is required of all members of a modern, globally interconnected society. To become geoliterate, students require a strong foundation in multiple disciplines to begin making sense of their world, think spatially, make connections, and so on. We sat down with Sarah Newcomer, an associate professor of literacy education at Washington State University Tri-Cities, and she shares a cool project she's working on to help increase geoliteracy. It involves a map, but unlike our common belief of what geography is, she shares how this tool is for way more than just finding a country on a map, but can help students to becoming more geoliterate. Education Eclipse starts now. Education, news, and research. These are the conversations happening inside education, athletic training, sports science, and sport management that are going to transform each. It's Education Eclipse from Washington State University. Here on Education Eclipse, I'm with Sarah Newcomer, an associate professor at WSU Tri-Cities. Now, normally, Sarah, first of all, thanks for joining me. Sure, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Now, normally... Anytime I do a podcast, I will sit down, we'll come up with questions, all that stuff. Not on this one. I just heard something. It piqued my interest. I heard something about maps and about geoliteracy. And I I just, before we spent too much time and I got distracted and and didn't do this, I just wanted to sit down with you and talk about geoliteracy and puzzle maps is is what I heard. So uh, take me through just the 30,000 foot overview first of of puzzle maps. Okay, great. Well, so puzzle map is actually um, an online interactive learning program that was developed by my dad, Fred Newcomer, who is a GI software engineer um, and he's actually he lives in Colorado and um, he developed this um, this program it's called puzzle map um, and he approached me and he said do you think that this is something that could be valuable for teachers and students and I said yes absolutely um, so he initially um, went his early his earliest sort of version of it was um, like looking at the U.S. and breaking it into pieces. Um, and since then, we've we've added more. So we've got the U.S., we've got South America, Japan. Um, and we're um, starting um, to hopefully build a puzzle map that will support the Since Time Immemorial curriculum. Um, so but basically what puzzle map does is it, it can take any kind of um, background map that's out there and um, – his program basically can turn it into these geometric pieces and embed information and images, video files, audio files into the pieces. So the kids manipulate them online and they can put them into place like a like an actual jigsaw puzzle, which, by the way, jigsaw puzzles were originally created by John Spilsbury. I believe in the 18th century, to um, teach geography. That's how jigsaw puzzles came about. You're like a walking Ken Jennings here. This is incredible. (laughs) So I would imagine, because we've used the term geoliteracy, though, I mean, is there a definition of what that means, geoliteracy? Yes, absolutely. Okay, so geoliteracy um, is defined by National Geographic as using um, geographical knowledge and reasoning skills to make um, far-reaching decisions. 
And so basically it's centered upon a framework of what I call the three I's, um, interactions, um, interconnections, and implications. So geoliteracy is much broader than geography. Um, I mean, actually, probably geography um, is also very broad, right? Like, But we tend to think of it as can you find places on a map, and I know geography is much more than that. But that's that's the idea with geoliteracy. It's it's about much more than being able to pinpoint places on a map. It's about understanding the relationships between places and the people in those places and how um, people interact with their environment. Um, so in my mind, geoliteracy is sort of this, um, you know, it's like a, it's, a, it's almost like a mindset. It's a, yes, certainly a set of skills. It's a set of knowledge, but it's, it's being able to take that knowledge and essentially make decisions and solve problems. So it, it, it encompasses STEM. It encompasses language arts, you know, thinking about the environment and sustainability. So I think it, it has um, a lot of potential to cover a lot of different areas. Any kind of information can help that decision-making process. It helps inform the decisions you make. You mentioned South America, right? So somebody could dive right down into like Iguazu Falls, right? It splits a border. It splits between uh, well, actually three countries, but primarily you get Brazil and Argentina, right? It goes right down. And the, the differences, I mean, in language alone, of course, is pretty astounding. Absolutely. No, you're absolutely right. And I'm just pulling up the um, the, the South America puzzle map right now um, because I actually know um, Iguazu Falls because I have used puzzle map. Um, and um, so just as you mentioned that, I wanted to show I probably can't find that exact. But that is a feature that's actually on our map. So... Um, so how it works is basically like you put the pieces into place, as I mentioned. Once they're in place, you can um, – this clue window has different teasers that can that show you different geographic features. And you can click on it, and then it zooms in, um, and it takes you right to that place. So this is the you know Christ the Redeemer statue that's in Rio de Janeiro. Um, and it shows you exactly where it is, and then you can click on the link – and it'll take you to a website that gives you more information and visuals about that. And so it's it's natural geographic features, obviously, but also um, human-made as well. And I actually just learned something, too. I see it's 98 feet tall. And, of course, you know, that's that's like what people talk about Rushmore. It was a lot smaller than I thought it was. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, so anyways, just your mention of Iguazu Falls, I, I actually know of that place now because of... Um, While you're doing this, oh, that's not a touch screen. No, it's right here. Here's where where that is, so I don't know. Oh, how. There it is. So the largest waterfall. So, yeah, you can actually. So these clues don't give you the actual name yet, right? They're meant to sort of entice kids who are working with Puzzle Map, like, oh, hey, I wonder where the largest waterfall is. And so, again, they can click on it. And just for the, the listener, yeah. uh, as you hover over a country, um, there is a little overlay, and it will have the flag of that country. It says the basic details that you would get in, like an almanac, right? You, it has the population. It has uh, things of that pro capital, you know, language, things like that. And then, and then those little pins that are there, which yeah, is for actually, more info. And actually, um, so I'll show you. Well, 
first, let's go. I think Iguazu Falls actually has a video embedded in here, if I'm not mistaken. And then I'll show you how those clues are helpful to kids, not only um, in terms of learning more about the places, but um, in terms of figuring out where the pieces go. Okay, so uh, this is good because I can show you how the point clues work. So I don't know where Argentina goes, let's say. And so I can click on this, and it will actually point to where that feature is to help me get the piece into place. And I can zoom in and out as needed. And I can um, use this handle to manipulate the piece. Any right, you're direction. rotating it around yeah. to uh, change the direction. But, you know, I'm still not sure where it goes. So I'm going to check out this other point clue. Oh, the frigid south is all the way down here. Yeah, and now you're down by Rio Gallegos and the Falkland Islands. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> which which maybe they'll tell you in Argentina is uh, you call it the Falkland Islands there. You're going to get yeah, ran out of town. It's right. the Malvinas, right? Malvinas. You're right. So once I um, get the piece into place, then the clue as I mentioned, takes you, zooms right in, takes you to where it is, Ooh. tells me Iguazu Falls is the largest group of waterfalls in the world. The Devil's Throat is a 2,297-foot section that pours over a huge U-shaped cliff. La Garganta del Diablo. Yes, exactly. And, you know, this map is actually bilingual. You can do it in English or Spanish. I thought this one had a video of the falls. I think I'm thinking of a different waterfall. But it takes you to the Kittle site, Iguazu Falls Facts for Kids, and gives you more information with, along with some nice visuals so the kids get a better understanding. So let's talk about the, the application of this okay, and how, sure. yeah, yeah, and, and what it is that we're really um, helping kids to do then. Okay, so what we're helping kids to do with this is we're helping them to, um, of course, learn some geography, um, to think about where places are, and we're also helping, helping them to develop more spatial awareness um, by being able to um, manipulate the pieces and to zoom in and out and to really look at, you know, what's, what's surrounding each piece. It just it increases that spatial awareness and also ability to think spatially. So, um, of course, everybody can think spatially, but some people are better at it than others. And so this can help kids that maybe are not used to thinking spatially and figuring things out. Um, like, you know, if you've, I'm the kind of person that it's very hard for me to visualize um, what something will look like until I've done it right or so like I'm thinking about my house and my living room I have to actually move the pieces around in my living room to sort of get a sense but some people are really able to visualize that in their heads and can they just think visually so this is an application that can help kids start to think visually to solve the puzzle but also then they can start looking for patterns so for example in the USA puzzle map the whole map itself, the pieces are color-coded according to annual precipitation averages so that the kids can use the colors of the pieces themselves to start making um, sort of like uh, spatial decision-making or reasoning like, oh, well, this is a, a green state, and I know that, um, you know, for example, the southeast gets a lot of rain. It's on the gulf, and so they can start to think about and notice patterns. Um, which is a big piece of that geoliteracy, right? Having an awareness of patterns of climate, um, could be patterns of language. So, for example, with the STI puzzle map, I know I'm jumping around, that map is a choral pleth, um, which basically means color-coded, 
pieces according to language so that the kids that put the map together, they can see, okay, well, we have all of the, you know, Panutian languages are in this part of the state, um, whereas the uh, Salish languages are more up in the northwestern part of the state. And so they just start to see those patterns and connections between language, climate, you know, animal, peoples. It just seems to increase the depth. I know spatially, like I... I know my GPS tells me to head west, you know, to start, and I'm like, I don't know which way west is, but <laughs> from a cultural studies perspective, right, I know that this is something that I can I can almost imagine one of our cultural studies people talking about spatially having a top and a bottom mentality, right? Yeah. Yeah, here's a map where it's upside down, right? It's flipped, right. flipped around. So talk to me about that a little bit. Okay, sure. So it's funny that you were saying that because, yeah, it was right here in my in my slides. So, yeah, I mean, the world is – it's a globe, right? So – and actually, this is so interesting because this came up in the first teacher workshop I did this Tuesday here on campus. And one of the teachers, um, after they had worked with Puzzle Map for a while, and I asked them, you know, what did you notice? You know, how did this go for you? She said, I've realized that I'm so used to um, – thinking about the Americas being on the left side of the map and, you know, Europe's and Africa over there to the right. And maybe, you know, Asia is just like way off over to the, you know, so we get, we, the way we look at the map influences the way I think we think of the world. If, you know, in the U.S. Japan's always to the far right. Yeah, exactly. And to your point, you know, North America is always at the top and South America is always at the bottom. So I actually gave the teachers a picture of a map flipped upside down because um, it just helps us to reorient our thinking and realize, well, yeah, we're we're thinking about it in a very um, culturally specific way, right? But... um, not everybody sees the map that way. So, you know, if we were in Europe or Africa, we're, we probably think about the – we're centering ourselves on the map essentially as to where we are. Right? It's a paradigm. Yes, exactly. So, um, yeah, so I think the potential of, like, um, working with these puzzle maps and, and thinking about helping kids expand their, their geoliteracy – in terms of how they they think and reason um, can help maybe move us away from that paradigm that we have of like we sort of you know the U.S. is always front and center on our maps. I just can't get the episode of the West Wing out of my mind when they're introducing a new map, the Peter's projection map, and, and they flip it around and yeah. and scale it a little bit. And oh, I haven't seen that episode. You should. <laughs> I'll have to look for that. Um, along those lines, have you seen, speaking of geoliteracy and why we need it, um, of course, the National Education Annual Progress, or NAEP, scores for geography um, show that, not too surprisingly, um, I think, you know, they take them at, like, benchmark years, so fourth grade, eighth grade, twelfth grade. Um, about half of our students at those grades have basic um, geography skills, and then about a quarter get to the proficient level, and about 3% get to the advanced level. So about half of all of our students don't eat, don't, do not possess yet those basic skills. Um, and I have a slide that gives some examples, because um, basic would be things just like finding places on a map, right? Being able to use an almanac to figure out which country has the most computers per capita. Those are basic map, you know, 
geography type skills, using maps and atlases to get that kind of information. Do we have any indication, do we know that beyond what we believe is going to be the case that this would this model, this puzzle map, w- would actually increase the geoliteracy, like that that we're going to push past that 48% basic and only 24% proficient to something, you know, maybe much higher proficient or even advanced? You know, I think that there's a lot of um, potential um, to do that, absolutely. And I, so the puzzle map as a learning tool it provides one one pathway or tool for doing that. And I think that, you know, there's, lo- of course, lots of um, other curricular activities that you can do to, to help support kids. So what I um, have done in investigating Puzzle Map and how it can support student learning is I did a pilot study um, actually two years ago now with three fifth grade classes here in Tri-Cities. And um, we uh, used that USA Puzzle Map and we embedded it with content specifically aligned to the Richland School District's um, social studies curriculum. So the map was especially focused on um, information about regions, so again, climate, precipitation, um, things like that, and then native people. And um, we gave the kids a pre-test and a post-test, and the kids who used Puzzle Map um, consistently in conjunction with their curriculum, not too surprisingly, made the most gains on their post-assessment. But what was really interesting to me is that the area that they made the most gains in was their spatial recognition and spatial thinking skills because we did have visual questions on the assessment like is this state oriented correctly or is it to scale and taking things like little Delaware and putting it next to a bigger you know making it the same size as another state like did they have that awareness that no that couldn't be right because Delaware is as we know much smaller than most well states. well in our maps right now I mean that's that's um you know, with the way the axes end up, children are raised um, and in schools taught, you know, that certain countries are huge and other ones are not, and some that's just wrong. Absolutely. And, you know, um, in fact, that was, that was one of the uh, remarks. I've tried this out with um, teachers as well in my teacher education classes, and um, I remember one of the teachers saying, gosh, it really gives you a sense of scale as to just how big Alaska is, for example, when you have it there compared to all of these other um, pieces. So it does give you a sense of scale and proportion and, you know, all of that. So you're right. But I think you were saying sometimes we think of places as being much bigger than they are or much smaller than they are as well. Up until now, I mean, what has been the most exciting part of this work? Okay. So what has been really exciting about this work is um, being able to take this tool into classrooms and watching students use it and interact with it and also getting feedback from teachers. And kids have told me things like, wow, this is really fun or, oh, you know, and they start coming up with all these personal connections like, oh, my family went to Texas last year and this is what I saw and did. And, and you know, they race each other, but they also help each other. And as you can see, you know, one fourth grader told me, I like the challenging feeling. And so this is a way that kids can learn um, about geography but 
in a way that I think feels challenging and fun to them. And it's, uh, you know, obviously it's less book driven. It's more, it's interactive. Kids are kind of in charge of their learning. They can put the puzzle together any way they want. They can attend to the information that they find interesting. Um, and then I actually had one of my classroom teachers tell me that it was really powerful to look out across her class of sixth graders and see every single student engaged with maps in a way she's never seen before with looking at maps in a textbook. So that's what I think is the most exciting about it. It's just its potential for really fostering student interest and engagement with geography, but also with their world, right? And and again, thinking in broader terms, um, you know, the people and the animals and the plants that are in their world and just really helping them see that big picture and helping them see those interconnections. So with any kind of research, I guess one of the questions that I have, Sarah, is um, how's this getting funded? Who's supporting this? You know, it started off as this sort of uh, initially just a small research project that I um, was doing on my own in collaboration with my dad. But since then, um, it's uh, I, it's been supported through the College of Education, and, and it's being supported with a faculty research fellowship. So that's pretty exciting. I'm sure my second grade teacher, Mrs. Cavanaugh, would have loved to have this. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to add um, before we conclude? Just, I would urge... Listeners, if they're interested, please check out um, Puzzle Map and give us some feedback. I can share the website with you all. www.geoliteracy.fun forward slash WSU forward slash workshop. Okay, and we'll also make sure that we put that um, on any of the written stuff with the podcast. So, Sarah Newcomer, thank you so much. I, I actually, I feel like when we're done here, I, I want to play around with this a little myself. So, thank, awesome. thank you. <laughs> thank you, Brandon. You've been listening to Education Eclipse, a College of Education podcast from Washington State University. 